everyone, welcome back. I'm your co-host, Jackie Spinell. And I'm Hannah Meira Plotkin. Let's dive right in. We are so excited to have everyone back and we just wanted to remind you all that we are trying to engage with everyone a little bit more on our Instagram platform, especially um, gearing up for our one year anniversary in a few weeks. Um, So as we've been alluding to as well, we are working on putting together a newsletter. So if you haven't already signed up for the newsletter, be sure to either visit our website, which is linked in the description, DM us on Instagram or email us at diveridinpodcast at gmail.com and we'll be sure to add you to our email list. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Hannah. We have really been trying, again, just like Hannah said, we have really been trying to engage with our audience members and trying to build our platform. So please be sure to, again, just share maybe your favorite episode or tell somebody who doesn't know about our podcast, just, you know, what it is, or maybe some topics that we discuss that you find interesting, such as this one. I will segue right in here. So this week we will be talking about, as it is Women's History Month, this episode I believe will air uh, March 12th, and March is, again, Women's History Month. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about not, we didn't actually want, we're not going to be talking about women's history specifically, but we are going to be talking about womenism and feminism, which is a very interesting topic. And I know we did a Girl Power mini series a couple months ago already, where we featured um, our very famous and amazing, amazing Milk, um, who I definitely, as always, recommend that episode. That is definitely probably one of my favorite episodes, if not my favorite, of Dive Right In. And so I encourage you all to go back that go back and listen to those. But we also wanted to spend this episode to sort of, you know, our, our views have shifted a little bit and we have learned more terms and we have just sort of learned more about ourselves um, since then. So we wanted to take this take this episode to sort of talk about that and talk about kind of the just these these terms and and where we stand with them. So with that, Hannah, do you want to jump right in with one of our definitions? Yeah, for sure. So one term that we do discuss a lot is feminism. Um, And as defined by the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, feminism is the belief of full social, economical, and political equality for women. But further than that, Jackie and I see feminism not necessarily as a way to say that uh, female identifying people um, are better than men, but rather it's just the strive for equality. And I think equality is just a very, very, very broad term and a very broad definition. And what's also really interesting about this whole girl power movement is that everybody can sort of tailor uh, their beliefs to themselves. And it's a very, very personal movement. So not everybody fits inside of one definition. Um, As you'll see throughout the episode, Jackie and I, and also um, our guest Noah, who we'll introduce in a minute, we all sort of grapple with this idea of womanism and feminism. So we're just trying to keep an open mind here with these different fluid definitions, but feminism just is very much about um, socioeconomic status and just having equal rights and especially equal opportunities. I think that there's a difference between having equal rights and versus having equal opportunities, especially in schools um, and in the workplace as well. For sure. And I think the term feminist definitely holds a lot of a lot of power. And we'll talk about this more throughout the interview, but it, it definitely is a very fierce term and um, has a lot of it has a lot of history attached to it. So kind of speaking 
like Hannah said, to the term womanist. Woman, womanism is a more, I guess, a, a newer movement. It, it's uh, a, a definition is to be a womanist means that one encompasses some facets of feminism, but with more inclusivity and appreciation for the Black experience. So the term womanist is kind of like, it takes into account intersectionality. The original history of feminism, it aimed to bring gender equality to specifically white women. And so this womanism kind of takes that and kind of is a term that everyone can use. So it's definitely a more inclusive term. And like Hannah said, we are definitely, you know, grappling which, which one we kind of identify with if we even want to put a label on ourselves. But I think that the term womanist is very interesting. And looking through different definitions, you'll see that some um, all of them are very different, but some of them specifically say that only people of color can be can be womanists. And I personally don't think that that's true. I think anybody can be a womanist. You can't be a womanist though if you're if you're inherently racist or if you're internally racist or you just don't understand what it really what what racism is and how and and why or you continue to be racist without without realizing your ignorance. And I think that that brings us right into our next term. So Hannah, please address intersectionality. Yeah, for sure. Like you were saying, I think it's less of, you know, boxing yourself into one definition or, you know, solely identifying as a feminist or solely identifying as a womanist. But I think that there is sort of this fluidity between the definitions as well. And I'm not a person of color or, you know, I, I don't identify with that, with that term. Um, so I would love to sort of hear um, our listeners' thoughts on whether or not white people or white passing people are able to identify as womanists, because it, this seems to be, you know, there seems to be a little bit of discrepancy here, and I definitely want to make sure that we're giving enough space and um, and uh, fully educating ourselves on this topic before sort of choosing what to identify with. So the next term that we use a lot throughout the episode is intersectionality, and we've definitely discussed this in a in the past. I think with our um, Judaism episodes, we've done a lot of things on anti-Semitism and intersectionality uh, with Sophie Frieden, and then again, our Beautifully Jewish episode. So intersectionality is an analytical framework for understanding how aspects of a person's social and political identities combine to create modes of discrimination and privilege. So essentially, it's taking who you are and looking at not only your age, but your class, your gender, your language that you speak, your culture, ethnicity, ability, sexuality, your educational background, and just how all of these sort of different parts of who you are come together to create this unique you and this unique person. So it's really interesting to see how feminism sort of calls upon women and upon, you know, historically white middle class women, but how the term womanist calls upon different people and really takes into account all of these different um, these different ideas that just make a person who they are. So I think that intersectionality is definitely something that really correlates to diversity and something that we definitely want to strive for and um, amplify as well throughout this episode. So stay tuned and see if you can sort of pick up on this on this uh, thread that sort of runs throughout our entire podcast. Uh, so just moving us into our icebreaker and then we'll introduce Noah. So Jackie, I wanted to pass the mic to you. And I wanted to ask you, why do you think girl power or female empowerment is important? 
I think this that this is a great question and, and it's kind of it almost seems like an obvious question but I think it's one of those that has kind of a, a pretty deep meaning it's just that we don't always think about it I think women as a whole are often oppressed even you know subconsciously I think people don't always realize that they're suppressing women we talked a little bit about mansplaining and how it's just sort of you know phrases like boys will be boys or Saturdays are for the boys you know kind of excuse men's or boys behavior and men's behavior too and um and i think women as a whole are are often just put down so when we say oh girl power we are taking you know we we weren't given the choice whether to be male or female and we weren't we we were kind of we're handed certain opportunities um and privilege um because of you know just i guess like genetic lottery or, or whatever or anything like that so I think girl power just just takes this and it's almost I kind of think about it almost as if like when sometimes when we talk a little bit about this during the interview but when minorities when a slur is used towards a minority and then the minority takes it back and uses it as like a powerful powerful like saying like yes we are blank um you know and so that kind of is like girl power like we're often oppressed but no together and individually we are strong we are as strong as men if not stronger and we are inclusive we are brave and we have been through so much together and we will continue to go through so much just until we achieve pure equality which um hopefully hopefully is soon but but there is so much work to be done and i think girl power there again there is because there is so much more um equality work that needs to be done for women we need we do need to work together and we do need to realize how powerful we are together and how you know women are we are just I think we are just you know powerful even if we don't always always realize it so we do need to come together and unite as one and just just fight this battle we call we call um inequality what do you what do you think Hannah I absolutely love that. I love that you tied this into unity, into togetherness, into community, to beyacha, to kehila. Um, and I always love to sort of include a little tidbit of, you know, Jewishness, sprinkle it on throughout the episodes, um, throughout our episodes. And so I just love this quote, Kolyster El Arvim Zabaz, that we're all responsible for one another. And so I feel like this idea of girl power isn't just solely about women and about girls and you know getting us you know into our rightful places into society and you know offices into school districts and into higher sort of positions but it's more just about creating this representation that for so long has been suppressed not only by the media and the social media um but just also in day-to-day -day life i feel like a lot of times we look at sort of these cases of mansplaining and just all of these sort of situations where where females and female identifying people are sort of put down and there's this quote by um by megan markle who was i'm not quite sure what her title is now that she's left um left the royal family but she was the duchess of sussex and I love this quote that says, every girl has potential. She has promise. She has the right to learn and the right to be heard and the right to play and the right to discover and the right to be exactly who she is. And I feel like this right here is sort of the core of girl power and is our whole intention behind creating this episode. I think for me, girl power is so important because I love seeing myself represented in the media with other 
uh, you know, females. And I just love seeing how marginalized communities are sort of able to take back the floor and uh, be able to sort of fulfill their full potential. And it's just so cool to see empowered and strong women. And it's not only just something that I love to see, but it's something that I you know, sort of strive for to do as well. And at the end of the day, we're all just excited to have these sort of increased opportunities for girls that we've never seen before. And I feel like this is such a missed opportunity and it's 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 going to be an amazing and a very powerful impact that not only uh, young people are going to make, but just bright female minds from all around the world. And I'm just so excited for the future. And hopefully I, Jackie was sort of alluding to this society full of equality. Hopefully one day we'll get there. I feel like it's all a work in progress, but I'm very, very excited. So segueing right into another bright and up and coming mind, I wanted to introduce our guest for this episode, Noah DeBask. So Noah lives in California and she's currently attending Tijon Ramayushalayim with me. Um, which is, I've talked about this so many times, but um, it's an Israel program, but we're currently doing a virtual. So I've been able to sort of connect with Noah throughout um, my classes on Zoom. And she's a very outspoken advocate for equality. And I definitely, I'm so excited for you all to hear what she has to say. She is uh, very insightful and we'll be sure to link her social media handles below so you can check her out. Um, and without further ado, Noah DeBask. I'm Noah. I live in LA. I uh, know Hannah through school. Um, I'm 15. I'm a sophomore, and uh, I'm I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm very excited to um, meet you, and also to get the chance to speak with you. So, as we kind of alluded to in the beginning of this episode, we wanted to direct this interview, kind of talking about feminism, womanism, and just sort of your ideas and um, just views with all of this. So can you please um, start by, I'll, I'll ask you, do you identify as a feminist? Why or why not? Sure, sure. Um, well, the why I think is pretty simple for me. It's, it just, it feels like why, what's, why would you, why would you not? Like, um, you know, it's, it's very simple. It's a quality. It's not, it's not any, um, you know, I mean, I guess it is considered a radical movement, but it, it, it it's weird that it is almost like it, there's no point in not being, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. I think what's really interesting about feminism is how it's not just uh, sort of like a local movement to like here in the US. But when I think about, you know, identifying as a feminist and Jackie and I just talked about this in our icebreaker question, um, but we both see feminism as this global movement of just connecting and empowering women just from all over the globe. And I think as we begin to discuss intersectionality, it's really interesting to see sort of how uh, gender sort of comes into play with many other human rights issues, such as like education and racism and all of these things. So when I think about, you know, identifying more on the liberal and well, very liberal um, <laughs> side of the spectrum, I think about um, how it's sort of my responsibility to be a feminist as I'm fighting for all of these other issues. Um, so with that, and I sort of just, I guess, touched on intersectionality, but can you sort of describe what intersectionality is and sort of the importance of it in a feminist context? Sure. Um, so intersectionality is, I think, 
all again very simply just equality it's it's making sure that that your equality is pure and not and not it doesn't have any um what would be the word uh doesn't have it there's no caveats it's just it's just equality um equality for all the different colors and religions and and um uh, sexual orientations gender orientations whatever whatever it may be it just I feel like if you're going to be a feminist you're going to fight for equality you know don't be hypocritical about it be, be intersectional be equal I guess that's what I meant by by pure equality when talking about feminism is it's a just equality there's no, there's no, it's not that complicated. For sure. And you bring up such a good point. I think that all of these terms, you know, speaking about um, being a womanist versus being a feminist, it's all, it's very simple. And I think each person kind of sees it in like a simple form in a different way. And I think intersectionality is something we talked a lot about during our environmentalism, a mini series where we talked about, you know, why it's important to be an environmentalist that is also, you know, accepting of all these different people and all of these different opinions and of, you know, environmental crises all over the world and just in that kind of context. So speaking more again about feminism in this, why is taking all of these other portions of identity into account important in general? To me, intersectionality is, like I said, very simply just equality. It's it's being able to mesh well with the different parts of your life and different people who um, who aren't typically a part of your life just because they they're from you weren't raised around people uh, quote like them or and so I think intersectionality is being able to um, with an open mind understand other people empathize with them and just be able to um, just be able to look at everyone not as the same because no one is the same as anyone else, but to be able to look at them in the same light as this is another person who I have probably more similarities than differences with, even though we are vastly different just because you know, we're all living on the same planet, though we may be living in different worlds. And it just, so t that's intersectionality to me. The fact that I'm Jewish and American and Israeli and, and a feminist and any number of things. For sure. And you bring up, you're bringing up such great points. Um, I definitely agree with that point about, you know, seeing everybody as equal, but also seeing each other, like loving each other, um, kind of for our uniqueness and what makes us different um, exactly and, yeah and like seeing like I know it's uh, we actually use this I guess this it's like a slogan for um a kind of a down syndrome um type organization but more alike than different I think that um this is definitely a saying that can have multiple meanings and I think that this is exactly what what you're speaking to here and also another thing that you kind of brought to my mind was when we were doing our first, I guess, feminism girl power mini series way back when a couple months ago, 
Um, one interesting seminar that we listened to talked about how your friend group should be, everybody in your friend group should look different from you. And thinking about this now, I definitely do think that you should have people in your friend group who come from different places so that you can have, you know, this, this, you can learn more, you can be less ignorant, you can, you can just see people, um, you know, more just different, hear different stories, and just incorporate um, intersectionality in all these different contexts. But I also do think it's important to um, be friends with people because of who they are on the inside. Um, and I think that this kind of, it's kind of the same thing, but it's not always. Um, so I definitely do think that that's important. And I also do think it's important to take into account, like you said, um, all the different aspects of who you are, like you said, um, American, Jewish, Israeli, and feminine, feminist, and all these different things. So I'm wondering, how does this all correlate to the womanist movement, this idea of intersectionality? Uh, yeah, so I was actually talking with Hannah earlier, trying to understand, well, I understood the difference, that there was a difference between womanism and feminism, and we were trying to understand more deeply what, what exactly that line is, and so we, I did, like, the first thing I looked up was womanism versus, versus feminism to see what it is, and it said that womanism is very quote, family-oriented and focuses on race and class and gender, and feminism is very female-oriented. It's, it, and it says here, strictly focuses on biological sex-related issues um, women and girls face globally. And so I think that, um, like so many things in our world, um, white privilege plays a role, not, be, not because, you know, white people are living their easiest most best life but because the whiteness of them does not contribute to whatever um challenges they do face and so like when women gain the right to vote it was white women um for you know too long until finally other women got that right too a hundred percent i think that that's really interesting and when I think again back to what you were saying about how uh, black women and women of color have historically been, you know, significantly more oppressed than literally every other group. I think when I think of a lot of different sort of social hierarchies, um, and I guess this also relates to Maslow's hierarchy with his um, self-actualization at the top, sort of correlating to white men. Um, I think that women of color and specifically black women have historically should have been at the bottom of this pyramid and having this womanist movement gives sort of this this way and this um, avenue for them to sort of identify as you know speaking up for women's rights without needing the you know correlation and connotation that feminism has um, that's so deep, deeply rated I'm sorry that's so deeply rooted in racism um, especially with you know voting rights. I think that that is one of the most uh, prominent um, examples of this, of where we see white women. And, you know, I think that, you know, there's a lot of other examples as well, but where we see white men, white women being treated um, much with much more, um, I guess, esteem than black women. Um, and again, this just womanism supports this idea of like the culture of women, which isn't just, you know, rooted in gender, but is also greater than that and includes so many other sort of intersectional components. So I think Jackie and I, we were looking at sort of this flow chart 
And it looks like feminism sort of falls under the category of womanism, where you're not necessarily able to be a feminist and a womanist at the exact same time, but rather, you know, feminism takes into account your gender, whereas womanism takes apart, takes into account, you know, your entire being. So I think I'm sort of in this um, internal, you know, tumultuous sort of situation where I'm like, do I identify as a feminist? Because this is much more of sort of the status quo uh, movement where there's so many other, you know, amazing advocates sort of leading the charge or, you know, do I identify as a womanist where, you know, it's much more of this uncharted territory sort of needing, needing to make, um, to make a name for themselves. So I guess in a modernized context, since I guess historically, there's been a lot more racism, but thinking more modernly, why is it important for feminists to not just be straight white women? Like where, where does uh, this diversity aspect sort of come into play? The intersectionality comes in because not all women are straight white women. Women. So why should all feminists be straight white women? That it doesn't, it doesn't um, properly reflect the female experience in this world. So that's, I think that's where the intersectionality is extremely important because you can't make decisions. It's not right to make decisions about people that including them in those decisions, which I think is a conversation we've been having very often this last year. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the point that you're making there. I definitely do think that um, representation is important because it's a reflection on, you know, who the general public is. I think before I go into um, what I'm about to say, I just want to say that I definitely, I've thought about this a lot and I do, I definitely do consider myself a womanist um, because while I do, I, I consider myself, I guess, very pro, I guess, girl power, I guess you could say, um, without putting my, without putting a label on it. Um, and I think that it is important to take into account all of the different aspects of ourselves and all of the different aspects of others. But I can see how this term can bring up lots of controversy, controversy because I can definitely see, you know, while representation is important, the intentions of the original feminist movement were, were good. They wanted, you know, uh, I guess, um, equality for women. And while the definition of equality for women has changed over the years, while we have, you know, while women, women and while um, race and class and all these different entities have kind of shifted and have become more equal, I think the intentions were good and it's times that have changed. So I think that the feminist movement isn't, isn't like, it, it didn't, while it may it may have disregarded, um, say, race when it was first came. You know, since times have changed, I think that the feminist, the feminist label has also changed. So I think it's it's important to to note this. And so, while this is very, while this is you know important, I think, I think a controversy could come because this is just creating yet another label to call people. And I think that this, this, um, I guess you could say that womenist is almost a form of like, I guess Hannah and I were talking about this. It's almost a form of like a reparation type thing for these, for these people of color, this, these women of color who, who, who weren't, who couldn't, 
I guess, identify as feminist because of what the label held and because of the history that that label held. So I think it's a good, it's a good thing. And then I think that there's one more controversy that I was thinking of that could be, well, now you're taking people of color out of the mix and, cr and creating another term for them, um, which could be kind of like in, in a some way oppressing the white women who don't get to get this term. And I not ex I'm not at all saying that I agree with this. I'm just kind of playing a devil's advocate and saying that these are some, um, I guess these are just some, some things that could come up and I could definitely see how this term might not be, um, I guess, uh, used or I identified with all. So I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit to this. I know I said a lot. Yeah, no, I, I think I get it. Um, so, so yeah, uh, you know, even with good intentions, the feminist movement was not anywhere near perfect. And, um, you know, I don't think that it's fair of us to expect it to be. It's fair of us though, to fix it because that's what we should do. Um, otherwise, you know, if, if everything was already perfect, you know, we'd have no purpose here. Um, but we do have, I think, a moral obligation to fix it. So to correlating this back to, to one of our interview questions, how do we go about, you know, what is the modern response to needing an intersectional, you know, feminist movement or needing a womanist movement? Like what can we personally be doing like action steps to promote more equality? So I guess actions that we can be taking are on the, I guess the very first step would be to be more observant. Um, if you are on a hiring committee, for instance, pay attention to, to, the different, to the different team members on your team, to the different people you're hiring, to the, the, the different people you're surrounding yourself with. Make sure that there are no exceptions. Like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, I'm going to paraphrase her quote, that women should be in every room where a decision is made. It, they should not be an exception. That just, because they're not an exception in society. I mean, like in the world, women are, you know, I think 51% of the population. So, you know, why are they not 51% of decision makers? Also, these conversations are, are a way to get started. Um, they're really important. And, you know, that's how you learn. And I think that that's, uh, that's another big thing that we can do. For sure. And I think that that's just a, a great first step in general to just sort of ending or preventing ignorance. It's just having these conversations and learning and educating ourselves and educating others, no matter what the topic is. You know, it could be womanism. It could be, you know, anything else, um, really. So I did want to ask another question. So there's sort of this common trope that's often, you know, upplayed in the media and especially social media, but also on Fox News a lot. Um, that there's like this trope that feminists are very angry and fiery. And so what are your thoughts towards this? And do feminists have the right to be angry? And how does this trope do both more harm than good? Um, yeah, I think that that's a wonderful question. Um, so I'm going to kind of answer it backwards. But um, I definitely think that this trope does do more harm than good. Because, you know, no one 
no one angry has a negative connotation. Um, let's just put it that way. It's it's not a it's it's you don't want to be angry. Usually, being angry is unpleasant um, for you and for the people around you. And um, and so I think that no, it does not have. It, it is a it is unfair to say that um, that feminists are always angry because first of all, that's not always true. Um, and uh, as Taylor Swift says a lot, she talks about how um, men and women are perceived differently for doing the same things and how a woman is looked at as angry, but a man is looked at as powerful and, you know, all these positive, positively connotated words. And so, yes, I definitely think that that trope is harmful. I'm not sure who to credit for this quote, but I saw it on someone's Instagram and I reposted it. And it said, um, I'm not a liberal. This was uh, just for context. This was like the end of October, so right before the election. And it says, I'm not a liberal snowflake. My feelings aren't fragile. My heart isn't bleeding. I'm a badass believer in, my, in human rights. My toughness is in tenderness. My strength is in the service of others. There's nothing more fierce than formidable, unconditional love. There is not a thing more courageous than compassion. But if my belief in equity, empathy, goodness, and love indeed makes me or people like me snowflakes, then you should know winter is coming. And I really like that because I think it it, it touches on, um, it expands more on what, for instance, Taylor Swift says a lot, and she's not the only one, um, about the different ways that people can, the way that people perceive what you say or what you do um, can affect so much because, you know, like this person said, it's, it's easy to, it's easy to just understand that, that being, maybe being empathetic isn't a sensitive thing. Maybe it's a strength thing. Maybe it takes strength to be empathetic. Um, and I want to say, I, I also don't think it's anger. I kind of think it's, it's power. It's kind of asserting that, that not even dominance, but just like equality that has been so long, um, diminished. Yeah. And also, I just want to say that I am a huge Taylor Swift fan. And so thank you so much for referencing her. And in regards to the, to the quote, I think that that is very powerful. And again, to use the word power, I just think it sums it all up. And I think that the, the last line of, of the quote was, um, I think like, like beware, like winter's coming or some, something yeah. along those words. And I do think that's very powerful because it, it is taking the word snowflake, which has so long, or just we've talked about the word snowflake and, and its negative connotation and, and kind of how liberals are often called snowflakes just because of their differing views, or maybe their more sensitive views towards other people who don't get um, a platform or have, who have not gotten a platform and, and snowflake is we've we've talked about it before on the podcast and right I have definitely not heard it with a positive connotation I'll just say that so I feel like you know why why use a word like that if it's just going to kind of ins, in, insult someone but then again I hear this quote and I'm like you know take that power back and just sort of like use that term snowflake and just be like like no I am this this powerful liberal I'm this powerful feminist I'm this powerful whatever and I do want to say that 
um, back when we did do the Girl Power miniseries, Hannah and I actually were hesitant to call it a feminism miniseries just because of the connotation that feminist, fem feminism has, even without thinking of intersectionality in mind, without knowing, at least me, I didn't know the term womanist until a, a couple days or weeks ago. So yeah, me too. Yeah. So I think like there definitely is this connotation and, and I'm not saying that we we didn't use we didn't call it a feminism miniseries because we didn't want to be you know seen as these like fiery you know aggressive people I think it was more just because it has this it has kind of has multiple meanings and so again I think it's just one of those one of those words that I think different people have different definitions on so I encourage you all to you know look look that up and educate yourself and definitely encourage others to educate themselves and Again, it's not, there's no shame if you want to continue calling yourself a feminist um, or, you know, whatever. I think as long as you're a powerful woman who really does take into account everybody's identity and your identity and um, just fighting for equality, I think that's definitely a huge, I think, overall global, less global just goal that I think most people that we talk to have. It's a big goal, but it's definitely one of our goals. So I'm kind of talking about all of this, this entire episode so far. It is Women's History Month. So can you talk a little bit about how everything we talked about relates to Women's History Month? And also with that, why should we just in general acknowledge Women's History Month? And in what ways can we do so? Of course. Um, so I think that um, very much on the surface of this Women's History Month is, is acknowledging and uplifting, is, is about acknowledging and uplifting women and the many, many contributions um, made to society by women that have gone either uncredited or stolen, or uh, the credit has gone to um, someone else most likely a man and or or just you know undercredited or whatever it may be the different times that that women have been unfairly cheated of opportunities um at the uh um i or rather men have been given opportunities unfairly at the expense of women um and any number of things that that you may think of, it's it's about recognizing that and acknowledging that and fixing it, and um, not just for these thirty one days of of uh, excuse me of March, but for you know forever. So just to wrap up the episode and wrap up the interview portion of this episode, we did want to ask if you have like a personal female role model that you look up to that you'd like to share with us. I know Jackie is a huge Michelle Obama stan and I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think we all just have these people that are sort of like our comfort people um, or just like role models. So I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Oh, I couldn't even count them on my hands, but there there are so many. But um, I'd say that just having already talked about them in this episode, um, a huge one would be Taylor Swift. All the she, you know, came to the public eye when she was what, a little bit older than we are now, um, uh, and was very not 
silent, but very um, not as outspoken as she is now for the longest time until finally she understood and, and the things she had to go through to get to that point were atrocious, but um, she understood that, you know, why, why am I staying silent? And then she was able to um, very eloquently um, write about it and wrote many, I, I think many of her songs, even since her debut album in 2006, um, have been very like, they've, she's had very, you know, badass songs as well as her like, you know, very um, more fun and like uh, mellow songs. She's got a great mix of those. And then, you know, most, I guess, um, I guess the most like uh, on the surface one would be her song from her 2019 album, Lover the Man. It's literally the entire song is without even trying to hide, like hide it in metaphors. It's just very simply, you know, the chorus is, I'm so sick of running as fast as I can, wondering if I'd get there quicker if I was a man. And it's just the most like, almost like just blunt, like it's a very real question. And it's one that's very difficult to answer because I think most of us know the answer and it's not a pleasant one. I, I just wanna say, I, I am both, I, again, I'm such a big Taylor Swift fan and I think everything you said really, really does ring true. And I think she says, she says, um, what would you tell your former self? And she would say, well, I would tell my former self that I am going to date like a regular 20 something year old would, but I will be um, a human lightning rod for slut shaming and ever, anything like that. And I that just really stuck with me because it is true. And having watched the Taylor Swift documentary, Miss Americana, probably about a dozen times, I definitely <laughs> see, you know, everything she has been through. And she wrote one of her songs clean because she was sexually harassed by a big, I don't know, a media producer, producer. And so I definitely do. I And I also think that she has been, she has been silenced. So now that she has used her not that she never used her platform for good but now that she can kind of she's gained the power and the self-esteem and confidence to use her platform for good even though there definitely is she she does receive much controversy for that thank you so much throughout this entire interview um i think that you brought up so many amazing points and it was so wonderful to have you and i'm very i'm very happy with this conversation thank you so much Thank you, Noah, so much again for joining us. You you are so insightful, and I think you you gave us a lot of interesting interesting points to think about. And I, I definitely I loved all of the points that were made throughout the interview. I think that the term women womanist um, womanist is very it's a very interesting term and it has a lot of it has I think the term feminist has a lot of strings attached and so the womanist is almost like a it's almost like a blank slate and kind of encompasses you know everything in modern society and so we also talked a little bit about you know the difference between modern feminism and 
women womanism um so i think that this is also a very important um a very interesting interesting conversation hannah do you want to briefly touch on this because i don't think we got to it during the interview that is an incredibly insightful question and honestly it's sort of hard to you know pick apart what you know these nuances that make feminism so different from womanism but i think that it's these small nuances that really count and really matter in this in this current state of our society so the idea of modern feminism is a way in which feminists and feminist uh, leaders sort of try and disregard the history of racism that's so deeply rooted into feminism but i think it's really unfair to sort of ask people to identify with the term that has for so long been rooted in racism. So this idea of modern feminism is sort of just like, and I'm sorry if I'm you know, not doing this justice or sort of speaking um, in very plain terms and very like anti-feminist, which is not my intention because I'm still sort of grappling with this. But from my understanding, this idea of modern feminism is, oh, just forget the racist roots. We're moving forward together in a more unified direction. But the idea of womanism is, hey, we can't just forget the racism. We have to acknowledge it and learn and grow from that and sort of become this more inclusive unit that's not rooted in racism, that is just rooted in unconditional kindness and rooted in tolerance and all of these things. So I think it's really just these small differences that make a whole a whole world of change. And so I'm just, I, I'm really looking forward to being able to educate myself further on this and look at these fine details um, and sort of and sort of talk about this more on the podcast. And I look forward to having that discussion as well. Uh, so we did sort of want to segue in and discuss why it's important to acknowledge Women's History Month and what we're doing to celebrate. So I think personally, this episode is a huge part of what we're doing to celebrate. But like we're talking about with Noah, it's really important to acknowledge Women's History Month because essentially there's 11 other men's history months where men are sort of given by society this, hey, you're a man card and able to sort of use that and play that in certain social social situations to sort of get a leg up. So it's amazing to have this month that sort of forces people to look inwards and look at what equality truly is. And I'd love to hear your thoughts as well, Jackie. For sure. And I think that this, again, this, this episode is a huge way I'm contributing. I think educating others is definitely a great first step to you know, preventing ignorance or, or limiting ignorance, just, you know, edu- education um, in general, just educating ourselves, educating others is an amazing first step. And there are, there are so many other ways to go about um, Women's History Month. I think that just telling people that you, um, I guess that you like admire, even in your own family, just saying, you know, you are a strong, you are a powerful woman to me. And I really do look up to you. I think that that could make somebody's, somebody's month. And I think that definitely just reaching out to people, I think as always, I think that's, that's a great thing to do, but especially just telling people that you, that you admire them, that you, that you look up to them and educating yourself, educating others, and also just being there for other people. I think that that's, that's a huge thing and um, doing something maybe that takes you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And overall, I do think it's very important to acknowledge Women's History Month. I think it is, I think it is important to acknowledge um, just 
inequality and gender inequality specifically in general, because it is one of those things that we continue to work towards and something that hopefully we'll achieve soon. So I think that that's definitely a point that we're trying to drive home. And I hope that you all learned something from this episode and make sure to check out our bio and make sure to email us um, if you want to receive our newsletter, which we are so excited about in just about uh, five or six weeks. We're excited to reach the milestone of one year. That's it for this week's episode of Dive Right In with Jackie and Hannah. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on Instagram at Dive Right In Podcast, as well as our website, www.diverightinpodcast.weebly.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. You can leave any additional feedback at diverightinpodcast at gmail.com. And you just dove right in.